What were some of your best Halloween costumes growing up? My mom made a lot of my costumes as a kid. Um, so she made me like a Minnie Mouse costume, which I think I still have actually. Um, she made me a little polka dot dress and it was really cute. And then um, she also made me a like, a like a princess dress medieval style, which was pretty cool. Were you just princess or did you have a specific princess you're going I was just princess but um I remember that was like a lot of work for her to do because it was um like many many pieces of fabric and everything so it uh it was definitely a labor of love and I really appreciate that she made me all those costumes my mom made me some sweet costumes too one year I was daredevil when I was probably like eight or so oh um, the marvel daredevil mm-hmm. and she made me a complete handmade ninja turtles costume too that's so cool and it was essentially like just uh costumes are different in our day yeah yeah you could get away with that and now everything has to be store-bought and if you're not i think you'd get made fun of i probably. think yeah and like they weren't store-bought ones weren't as readily available true or vast variety as there is now the ninja turtle costumes that were available when i was a kid would be a plastic smock with pictures of the ninja turtles on it and yeah. then one of those hard plastic masks that cuts your tongue if you try to talk or eat through it yeah <laughs> yeah and like now you can go to there's multiple chains of like halloween stores and they have like hundreds of different costumes that and if you're like crafty you can just buy a bunch of pieces and make your own costumes so it's so much easier now and i feel like the creativity is gone i think like with uh pretty much everything of the world it's worse now but there is more options for it yeah absolutely. <laughs> halloween isn't as fun now and it's not just because we're older they the trick-or-treating culture is all but gone yeah it's kind of it's it's there but it's not like it used to be no it was like an event but decorations you can just go to the store and buy a bunch of cheap decorations that we could never do before but i kind of preferred having worse decorations and uh more fun yeah i appreciate how easy it is now but i do agree with you i miss the creativity and like the fact that you'd plan your halloween costume months in advance because someone would have to make it for you and you know me, I still avoid buying anything for yeah. Halloween. I want to make it. True. Or find it. Or find it. Or just embody it. Just <laughs> be a witch. Be a witch. I like find myself going back to those easy ones like cat or witch or like princess. But I really love when I actually put the work into it and have like a really cool costume. I think that's really nice. Although this year I won't really have a chance to dress up except for giving out candy. So that's all you need. It's a low work year. (laughs) Giving out candy is big. All those kids are going to see you. I love giving out candy. I'm so excited about it. I love seeing the little kids come to the door. You know what I'm so excited for? What? This episode of I Love This, You Should Too. Oh, yeah. My name is Indy Boyle Boyle Toil and Trouble Randawa. And with me is my lovely co-host, Samantha, something wicked this way comes, Randawa. <laughs> Those are some long Halloween nicknames. Those I are like the it. first witchy things I could think of. Oh, yeah. Good call. Because I'm such a nerd that the first witch I think of is uh, the three witches from Shakespeare. Yeah. Well, if that didn't give you enough of a hint, today we are talking witches. So I am going to have my top five pop culture witches. Uh-huh. And then Sam is going to give us a witch pick. <laughs> uh, which book? Which TV? 
witch TV. A witch TV pick, and then we'll tell you what the big witch watch is for <laughs> next week because we're doing witch all watch. witches on this Spooktober episode of I Love This You Should Too. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear your top five witches. So you didn't do this this week, but do you have any top witches off the top of your head that you want to throw in as some honorable mentions? Um, Sabrina, because mm. I grew up watching like TGIF and Sabrina was a big part of that. Um, I want to say the Sanderson sisters. I don't know who else is a witch. Now I can't. Oh, um, from Buffy, Willow. I think those are my top three witches. All right. I'll give you some. Honorable mentions because I couldn't get them all in there. Uh, the Blair Witch. Uh-huh. You don't really see the Blair Witch much on screen or at all. At all. But that movie was uh, very influential. Oh, yeah. I do remember it coming out and it being like a huge deal. Fiona Good, as played by Jessica Lange in American Horror Story. Oh, that was my favorite yeah. of, those, of that season because I'm uh, just a big Jessica Lange fan. The Three Witches in Macbeth, of course. Mm-hmm. Classic. I did say Sarah Sanderson in specific, who was Sarah Jessica Parker's oh, yeah. dumb witch. Yeah, I like that. Louise, the teen witch from the movie Teen Witch. <laughs> Have you ever seen Teen Witch? No. I think you might like it. It's like a bad 80s movie, but uh, it's bad in the good ways. Isn't she played by Robin Lively, Blake Lively's sister? That's true. Yeah. I was looking up like witch TV shows and like movies and stuff just to like see what I wanted to do this week. And I found that little piece of trivia. And of course, Willow Rosenberg. Of course. And Tara. And Tara. Yeah. Tara's a good one. She's a good witch. She's a good witch. Willow is a bit of a bad witch at some time. She uh, crosses over for sure. Well, I'm going to start with number five is Samantha Stevens. From the TV show Bewitched. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Bewitched was a fun show. I like it. It was a fun show. Number four, The Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about Wizard of Oz. Glinda. (laughs) I wouldn't, I didn't even put uh, The Good Witch on here. It was just The Wicked Witch. There's also The Wicked Witch of the East, but she, you only see her shoes. Yes, true. She gets a house dropped on her. Yeah. You don't want to be Really, wicked. Dorothy started that. She really did. Well, I guess she didn't do it intentionally. No. She just happened to cross over into this world and her house happened to fall on this person. But she did take the shoes off the corpse, didn't she? No, they magically moved to her feet. Right. Okay. So it's not her fault. No. Fault. Good job, Dorothy, <laughs> who I might be for Halloween again. I can't believe I forgot about... Uh, Wizard of Oz, because Wicked is like one of my favorite Broadway musicals. Oh, and right. I that's like all about witches. <laughs> so How little... is Wicked? Oh, you just said mm-hmm. it's one of your favorites, so you love it. But what? Tell me about Wicked. Um, so Wicked is about um the uh Wicked Witch of the West, uh Alphaba, and um Alphaba, Alphaba. That's her name. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So I guess my number four is. Alphaba. Yeah. From the Wizard of Oz. Um, and uh, Galinda, who is the good witch. And um, they actually go to magical boarding school together. And them growing up and then having to choose um, kind of the path between good and evil. And um, navigating uh, life when people just assume you're evil because you're green. So it's a, it's a fun story. It's uh, definitely... 
a, de- a departure from Wizard of Oz, but I love it so much. And the music is amazing. And I think the original pairing of Kristen Chenoweth and Idina Menzel, who went on to play Elsa, um, were just like so very perfect. Um, and the book is also really good as well. I like that idea. What you described seems interesting to me. I think my big aversion to that musical and book and everything is I'm just tired of, hey, here's something you already like, but let's look a little deeper. Here's a little (laughs) different twist on it. If they just made their own thing and it was about that, Mm -hmm. but without having it to be like Wizard of Oz intellectual property. Yes. Yeah. I just hate how everything needs to be from something else. Yeah. Just do your own thing. That's a good idea. It stands on its own. True. True. Um, I just love the like interlacing of the story. And this was a book before it was a musical. So it's drawing from different intellectual property. But that's still from Wizard of Oz. Yes. Yeah. Which is also a book. Yeah. Number three is Ursula the Sea Witch from the 1989 classic The Little Mermaid. Classic Ursula. Man, you really hit some high points here. Ursula is great and maybe the best part of that movie. And she has such a good song. Such a good song. Poor Unfortunate Souls is like such a fun song to sing. I think the next time we do a Disney movie, our things of the week should be ranking, say, like villain songs or Mm -hmm. I wish songs because Poor Unfortunate Souls is I'm having a hard time thinking of a better villain song. Well, Gaston, maybe. Gaston, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Ursula definitely is up there with her poor unfortunate souls. Have you seen the live action one? I haven't. I have it on my like Disney Plus queue, but I haven't watched it yet. Who's Ursula? Is it so it was someone that annoyed me, right? Uh, yeah. Melissa McCarthy? It was Melissa McCarthy, uh, yeah. Just go back to being Sookie. That's when I liked you most. <laughs> I think I, the market was just saturated with Melissa McCarthy for a couple of years. There. It's true. She's, she's been everywhere. And she didn't always have, maybe it was due to casting, but didn't always have the most range in her performances either. No. And she tended to play like, yeah, with one character that she'd really fleshed out and then that was it. Mm-hmm. And she just did that in every character, but just different wardrobe and name. Yeah. <laughs> so this is fun because... And I haven't seen live action Ariel yet, but um, I think this will be fun because it is a very charactery kind of thing, and she tends to do really well in heavy character acting. And number two, you'll probably recognize this from my ranking of top five talking black cats, which we did <laughs> earlier. Yeah. And we're going with Sabrina, the teenage witch. Oh. And the specific iteration that I like most is, of course, the sitcommy. Melissa Joan Hart one. Yes, yeah. That was TJF. It was like uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch was always one of my favorite things to watch every week. I have seen every episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I'm pretty sure I've seen pretty much every episode too. But wait, I forgot to add on as an adult. (laughs) (laughs) As an adult. Okay, I definitely haven't watched every single episode. I've watched a few here and there. Like we have a Halloween um, TV show list that we right. usually watch through, but and like we do it for Christmas too. But I definitely have not seen all of Sabrina the Teenage Witch recently. It gets bad at the end when she's in college and she's not living with. Um, I forgot about the college season. Yeah, seasons, seasons. Yeah, that part's not nearly as good. We 
lose like I think Harvey's gone. Salem's hardly there. And mm. as you'll remember, Salem's my favorite character in that show. Absolutely. Yeah. He's fantastic. <laughs> and we don't see uh, Hilda and Zelda nearly as much then either. Instead, you get what's her name? Soleil Moonfry. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, mm. fine. I feel like shows need to know their stopping point. I think they were trying to grow up when they thought like the people who love this show will grow Are up and up. Uh, yeah. we're going to emulate that too. And I don't know. It didn't work for me. Yeah. And it was Elisa Donovan who's in all those dog movies now. <gasps> right. She's one of the roommates. And then there's Josh, that guy. And yeah, you know. No, thanks. Yeah, not nearly as good. <laughs> but Sabrina, still my number two witch. So, Indy, who's your number one witch? Well, if you've listened to this podcast, you'll probably know <laughs> my number one witch is the only other witch I've had in a movie that was one of my picks thus far, and that is Kiki from Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, Kiki. I don't know what I can really say because we did a whole episode on Kiki's Delivery Service, so you should just go listen to that. Back in episode number 150, and you can just go listen to that whole thing, and we'll talk about it for over an hour. Yeah. I, I love that movie. I don't know how much more we can talk about here, but just the idea that this is a world where there are witches and everyone knows about it, but it's still like kind of fun and novel. They're like, oh, did you see a new witch moved in? Oh, that's yeah. fun. I liked that. I liked that this is a, a non-Western take on what a witch is. Mm-hmm. And because of that has a just kind of a whole different mythology to it. And it's just fun. I, I love pretty much everything. You know what? Actually, maybe everything Miyazaki has done. So this wouldn't be any different. And it's, I think, probably my top three Miyazaki movies and go check out Kiki's Delivery Service. And Kiki's really cute, too. She might be my number one cutest witch. You know, when we did the Indie's Top 5 Talking Black Cats uh-huh. was before Kiki's Delivery <gasps> Service because Gigi was, of course, my number one. Right. Salem was actually pushed to number two. That's how good. That's how much I love Kiki's Delivery Service. Huh. That's, uh, that's an important list to keep as an adult man. <laughs> Best Talking Black Cats? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've i only added to that list. Now. Yeah, exactly. I feel like we should probably revisit that list annually on this podcast. <laughs> sure. And we can, it'll be like more of a less definitive and more about like, you know, talking cat power rankings. Right. Like who's, who's hottest right now? <laughs> <laughs> who's the most relevant talking cat? Yeah. Did you watch, we're going back to pick number two. You watched the Sabrina new TV show? What's it called? The Dark and Mysterious Sabrina um, Times? Yeah, the Sabrina, the, um, yeah, the like Riverdale spinoff. Yeah. Yes. Um, I watched like a season of it. Okay, because I watched a season with you. I wasn't sure if you kept watching it. I didn't. After that. It got, it, like Riverdale, it just got like a little too weird. And, but not like, fun weird. Not fun weird. And like there was just like too much happening that I found it really hard to like focus on it because they were like oh these 97 things happened in this last day and it's like okay but like I can't remember all of that while I'm watching I just want to like watch a fun show for me it just wasn't great yeah it was trying to lean more into a serious spooky which Mm -hmm. I did appreciate but I don't think it pulled it off entirely well so yeah they were going for like dark serious Sabrina as opposed to Sabrina the Teenage Witch right which like 
I feel like that was so much fun because it was a more fun take on it. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of dark, serious, spooky witch things. We don't need to bring a like fun, light character into this. Especially darkness. if it's not, I don't feel like they committed to yeah. that. It was, it lived in the middle ground and I felt like there were some weak performances. Yeah. Not in uh, Sabrina because she was actually a great child actor that I saw on Mad Men. And yeah. she's fantastic there. But the aunts and stuff were, there was a lot of bland performances. Yeah. In it. But you know what? I never watched past like six episodes. So maybe it got great, but that's my list. You can let us know if you are like a diehard Dark Sabrina fan. You know my other favorite witch? Who? Sandwich. <laughs> You're a sandwich. All right, Sam, what's <laughs> your uh, witch watch? My witch watch is the 2014 uh, TV drama Salem. And this is loosely inspired by the actual Salem witch trials in the 17th century. But um, it plays with the idea of what if they actually were witches? And um, it kind of centers around um, Mary Sibley, whose husband is one of the most powerful and richest selectmen in the Puritan colony. And um, he's very sick, so she kind of ends up... um, ruling with his power and then what if she was also a very powerful witch and uh controlled a lot more than everyone was like kind of aware of and you get to see like a few people um that you will like know from history um like cotton mather and um some of the girls in the town are girls from the Salem Witch Trials. So uh, I found it super fun. I thought it was kind of a fun take on history. It's it's sexier than I think Puritan times were. That was going to be my next thing. It was like, how many rock hard abs do you see in this show? A few, a few. And there's a lot more like boobs and corsets that are like up to your chin right. than, than actually would have happened in Puritan uh, America. But um, it's a like a kind of sexy period piece. Um, and uh, it's got three seasons. Um, I think the first season is the very best. Um, but I think it's worth watching all the way through. Um, and it's got one of my childhood crushes, Shane West, in it. Oh. Yeah. I... I, I want to say something right now, but I don't want to give it away to you. But I kind of want to tell our audience now. But I think what will end up happening is because I, I can't because you're <laughs> in the room. Yeah. So I'll probably just cut out this whole part. Okay. But interesting. Shane West from A Walk to Remember. Yes. Yeah. And other things. Yeah, and other things. But I definitely really liked him in A Walk to Remember. But yeah, so this is like a fun, loose based idea on um, the Salem Witch Trials, which is something that I found fascinating as a young girl getting into vampires and witches and like all of that. Oh, like, so you watched it back then? No, um, I watched it when it came out in 2014. Okay. Um, but I thought this was like last I was week. very much into the idea of the Salem Witch Trials and like witchcraft and vampires and stuff at that early junior high age so i uh we need to bring some of that back i think so i'm all uh you know i'm a pretty spooky yeah. day-to-day person pretty spooky you guy. don't 
you don't bring that spookiness out. You need to embrace your spookiness. And I, what better season? Than I agree. Right now? Okay, I'll try and get. Let's more go spooky. get a Ouija board. Okay. Although I did have a rule that you I will do have not a rule. Like we've never gotten the Ouija board. My house. Haunted. I'm someone who's like, nah, I don't believe any of that stuff. And they're like, oh, use a Ouija board in your house. I was like, no, I don't want to invite Absolutely demons in here. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, yeah, I I have dabbled with a Ouija board before, but... Um, oh, I sure have. Never in my own home. That was my... Man, I used to love a good Friday night Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. In my dorms in uh, when I lived in Norway... We would have parties in the... There were a bunch of cages in the basement where people could lock up their stuff. Oh, like storage units. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we would Cages makes it sound like a torture chamber. They were cages. They were straight up cages. <laughs> and we'd have parties down there because if you got the cops called to your floor for a party, you'd have to pay a fine. So we'd have a party in the basement and then it's like, well, who's responsible? I don't know. We just run away. Yeah. But uh, we had a Halloween party in there and we just drew... Ouija boards on the ground and we oh. could play and it was all candlelit. It was probably a fire hazard. So totally. We're just in a basement full of cages with no lights. Probably it was cardboard boxes. Long in them. hallways between cages. Oh. And there was no lighting except for all these candles we put out. And then we just had Ouija boards on the ground and music playing. It was great. That sounds great. It was pretty fun. I um our good friends, the Kendricks, uh, have a like Ouija board room in their house. So You need a seance. You room. need a seance room and uh they did a really good job of creating an atmosphere that feels like a true Ouija board experience. Yeah. So you can check out 2014's Salem. Um, it is available on Disney Plus in Canada. I'm not sure where it's available in uh, the U.S., but um, I'm sure you can find a copy somewhere. Did you revisit it recently? Yeah, I, I just watched a few episodes of it, but still good. It's still good. Yeah, I think they do a really good job of building like suspense and like tension in it. Um, and uh, I might end up just watching the rest of it uh, coming up here. Tis the season. Tis the season for witchcraft. Okay, I, I feel like I should tell you something about Shane West. Okay, we are going to watch something. And he's going to pop up in it. Oh. And I'm not going to tell you what or when. And I think you will be very happy when it happens. Hmm. That's okay. all I'll say. Great. Can't wait to maybe be very happy oh, when it happens. Oh, you will be. You will be. Okay. So, Indy, it's come to the time. What is our big witch watch for next week? So, you had the choice of silly or serious, and you went serious. Yes. And then you had a choice of werewolf or witch, and you picked witch. Mm -hmm. So I thought that would give it away for a serious witch movie because there aren't that many. Yeah. But you don't know what it is, do you? No, I also didn't spend a whole bunch of time trying to guess. <laughs> My thing of the week, maybe last Halloween, was this movie. Oh. And that is the 2015 Robert Eggers directed, I think his directorial debut, Oh, The Witch. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't guess that. And at the time, you said, oh, I want to watch this movie. And we never got around to yeah. watching it that Halloween. So here's our chance. Because you the wanted witch. something serious. You wanted something that we could uh, really have a discussion around. Yeah. And I think The Witch is that movie. So if you're not familiar, The Witch sometimes spelt with two Vs because it takes place in a time where Ws weren't really a thing. Yeah. 
So The Witch, or the subtitle is A New England Folktale, is directed by Robert Eggers, who we have done on this podcast. He directed The Lighthouse, which you... Uh, didn't love didn't, as much as I didn't did. love. Um, okay, well, I'm 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 open minded. But one thing we can definitely see from that movie and in this one as well, this is his directorial debut, is that he is definitely a man who has attention to detail. Right. So this one is about a family in 1630s New England. I, again, I don't want to say anything about this one, but it has to do with some witchcraft and black magic and things like that. Right. Or does it? No, it kind of does. Oh. And because it's a Robert Eggers one, it sounds like they're in the 1630s. It is period accurate dialogue. Hmm. And because it's Robert Eggers, it's not just some house. They built it only using tools that were available in the 1630s. Like he's one Method. of those guys that is <laughs> makes everything as it real been. as it could right. possibly be. And whether or not that is for his own ego or to really get some authenticity into this is up to uh, the viewers, I suppose. But mm -hmm. if someone is going out finding historical scholars and hiring them to build thatched roofs because only this one guy knows how to do a thatched roof in proper 1600 style, that might be overkill. Sure, I'm not denying that. But if someone's doing that, they're probably paying attention to everything True. else. Yeah. Like I... my love with uh, Stanley Kubrick, like a lot of film nerds love yeah. that guy because he has such attention to detail. And a lot of the time, like, why? Why does this why was need that, that detail? Yeah. It doesn't need it in all times, but someone who is that obsessive is going to be that obsessive with the performances, with the script, with the cinematography, with everything else. And sometimes those perfectionists, they make uh, they make some great movies is what I'm saying. And I personally really liked The Witch. I'm not going to tell too much about it, okay. but it's about a family who is kind of isolated. It's about Puritans and right. all of that sort of stuff as well. This is like well. pre-witch trials, right? It is, Yeah, yes. okay. So it's pre-witch trials, but it's of that world. It's about um, European settlers and colonists mm -hmm. in the New World. I don't want to say too much about it, but I will tell you about when I first saw this movie. Okay. So I saw it in theaters in 2015. And when I went to go see it, the ticket taker said, oh, you're seeing The Witch? You know, we, we're not doing refunds for that anymore. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? And he said, everyone who watches this movie walks out and demands their money back. So like, I'm warning you now. There's and, no money back. <laughs> and I was thinking like, what? Why? And they're like, no, it's, it's so bad. It's terrible. And I was like, oh, no, I'm I'm going to go watch it because I yeah. really wanted to watch this movie. It came highly recommended from only like two people, but two of my like, you know, film nerd type friends. So, so trust, I thought yeah. I would uh, check it out. I watched it. I loved it. And then when I was coming out, the person who was cleaning the theater after said like, oh, you made it to the end. And I was like, yeah, I made it to the end. And they're like, oh, no one can make it to the end of this piece of garbage. And I was like, what are you talking about? So then on the way home, I was talking with the person that I saw the movie with. And we were like, what's going on? What happened in this theater? And it's not in that theater. It was... Like worldwide. Yeah. People wow. did not like this movie. And I think it's probably due to expectations. And it's a, a different type of movie it's right. not a different type of movie to me and it's not to you anymore either because mm -hmm. you've watched these types of things right but it wasn't 
your Blair Witch Project or your well, like... Blair Witch Project was very different as well. Right. I think it's not your um, animal. Right. It's not jump scares. It's not your pop culture horror film. It's not what a modern horror film is. Right. And I'm not saying that it is like the scariest movie around. I think there are legitimately frightening things in this movie. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for popcorn jump scares, this is not that movie. Mm. Well, I'm good with that because I hate jump scares. This is about building that tension. Mm-hmm. It is about, you know, we're going to get into that metaphorical stuff too. <laughs> but if you don't want that, this is... I often say that if you want to look at that part of the movie, you can. But if you don't want to look at it that way, you don't have to. This is the epitome of that because it has a very literal reading and something where you can see more stuff into if you want. And I think the director has himself gone on record as saying like, yeah, whichever. Okay. Whatever you want. Oh, I like that. Okay. I like when movies have multiple ways of like viewing. Yeah. No right or wrong or anything like that. And this might sound like, if you haven't seen the movie, that I'm setting you up for something like, oh, this is going to be a hard watch. It's going to be like, like The Lighthouse was a difficult watch for you. Yes. That was way more abstract than this movie. Okay. To me, this is just a horror movie. Okay. Of course, it harkens back to more of the pacing of 70s horror movies. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's still that. It is still a... Hollywood movie, although this is actually an American Canadian co-production. Oh, okay. But it's not um it's not something that's inaccessible, I think. And the hate for this movie, I think, was just based on people who are going to see a movie and they want a quick scary movie and this wasn't delivering that. Right. Instead they had to sit and deal with a family coming to terms with stuff. And that's not what they were in for. Yeah. They wanted jump scares and like a scary monster. But that's my take on it. We're going to watch it. And then you can let me know, is this still just like a regular horror movie that's a little more slow paced? Or is this something that is inaccessible to modern modern audiences? I don't think so. Then again, I'm kind of a nerd for this kind of stuff. So I'm not the best judge of that. <laughs> okay, well, I'm excited to form an opinion. It does have like a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not this out of nowhere, everyone hates it thing. It's just a lot of people seem to hate it. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting that people were like so decided on whether or not they hated it. That the people at the movie theater felt that way. Yeah, and that they were telling people that before they even saw the movie. Yeah. Which is like kind of unprofessional. <laughs> I think I so. think it's kind of unprofessional. But um, yeah, I've never been in a movie theater where people were like, ugh, this piece of garbage. <laughs> So it's not streaming many places that I could find, at least. If you have Amazon Prime, I think you can rent it for $1.99. You can uh, borrow my Blu-ray of it if you are local. And if not, you know what? You'll find somewhere to watch it. Go watch The Witch from 2015. And this is one of those A24 productions, which we've had a couple of. Mm -hmm. And I tend to like their stuff. Not always, (laughs) but uh, often. They're, they're out there trying stuff, which I appreciate. Yeah, that's fun. Okay, we'll see you next week when we talk about The Witch. Bye, everyone. Ooh. I tried to do it for you. That's okay. <laughs> Goodbye. You did a good job. Goodbye.